Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminaz Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hi. <laughs> think about that one, huh? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm also kind of nose deep in my Chaos Knights book because of the fact that there's a lot to chew here, not just amount of wounds. You know, it's amazing. One thing I have been rather impressed with ever since... Uh, Knights came on the scene before they, you know, the what made them special. Well, they're knights. You know, it's kind of like, what else do you need? They've really fleshed out in what they are, and the Chaos Knights seem very different from the Imperial Knights now. It's it's kind of cool. <laughs> yep. Um, either way, they both still hurt a lot. <laughs> like, um, I played against Knights right before starting this episode, and Raise your hand imaginary if you've experienced chain reaction explosions. I have raised my hand. My hand is like three feet up <laughs> no, there. What right happened? <laughs> so what happened? Yeah, Night Perceptor decided to blow up while getting poked to death by um Ah, okay, that was I was about to explain that. It sounded like we might be a little bit delayed today. But um Bike Captain charged into a Night Perceptor and then from there um, I killed it. It blew up. Killed an armager next to it. It also blew up. Uh, it almost killed one of my Achilles Contemptor Dreadnoughts. And <laughs> yeah, it almost killed my bike captain. It hurt Trajan. It almost obliterated a Sagittarium squad. It almost killed my Bannerman. Oh, God. Uh, it, it hurt. Yeah. Something close to 40 mortal wounds came out oh, of all of that. Yeah, those are always the fun ones. <laughs> Biggest experience I had with Chain Reaction was um, back in 7th edition, so it was one of the older versions. So I deep struck my uh, Wraith Guard, which back in the day used to cause D damage. Remember those terrible rules? And um, <laughs> No, but I oh my God. so many so, stories. Anyway, they did what they are supposed to do and killed the Knigget. And you back then you would roll the scatter die to see where the knight fell, like a giant, and it fell on top of my wraith guard. So I was like, oh, oh well, <laughs> um, that was not the trade I was looking for. So, mm-hmm. you hit the throne mechanicum, and it just went, yeah, uh, so mad. But no, um, I was able to squeak that game out by a single point on conversion because of the fact that I was able to knock the night players score down by like two or three points mm-hmm. because of the mission bonus. Cause my, I'm really mad. My Gladys dreadnought failed a, a three inch charge into a Helvrin. How do you fail a three inch charge? <laughs> uh, you roll a crater two. involved in this, a tangle foot grenade. Nope. Nope. Just, just real bad rolls. Um, but my bikes were able to scoot over and clean up the Helvrin with a nine inch charge, which actually saved them from the explosion of the Perceptor. But otherwise, uh, yeah, wow. that hurt like a lot. So interesting that you uh, were able to squeeze it up by one point. Can knights actually play the mission now, or are they still focus on kill, kill, kill? Um, it definitely is more skewed into how many knights you want to actually bring compared to armagers. If you want to bring something like three big knights, then you are definitely more skewed into killing. Like, um, 
my opponent, excuse me, uh, his Crusader, even without stratagems, could put out up to six mortal yeah. wounds a turn. Yeah. Then he, almost every turn, he was able to go, well, for two turns, he was able to, oh, here's this strat for crazy amounts of mortal wounds. After doing the six mortal wounds on this, and yeah, it was it was a lot. Now, if you play something like two knights with a whole bunch of armagers, it's definitely more objective game based, but you get a lot more movement and a lot more shots naturally. Because uh, the Helvrins, mm-hmm. the auto cannons, are strength seven AP two flat three damage, so they chew through things a lot faster. Okay. Um, the Warglaves, so the ones with the Meltas, are kind of handy because they can actually do stuff in melee. But otherwise, um, I think the magic number is something like three Imperial Knights and then the rest are all Armagers for the Loyalists. For Chaos Knights, though, that's where it gets a little weird because the Chaos Knights, they like their four big stompy robots. They would rather kill you rather than play the objective game but if you do bring a lot of armagers, there are a lot of ways to get them to be buffed with, like, um, if they walk around with a tyrant, you can give them an access to an aura of a four-up invuln based off the tyrant. You can also give the tyrant a four-up invuln. And also, you can go, all right, you're trying to shoot this armager? Nope, you're going to pass a dread test. If you fail it, you can only shoot the closest and most eligible model instead of this little armager, which you throw onto an abominant with all of the defensive buffs. <sighs> I have yet to test these theories, so it could just be me rambling <laughs> like a mad scientist. Well, I guess I have heard the similar talk about the, um, the armatures being more on the chaos side of things simply because now you get the obsec and all that nonsense, but it, they're just uh, a faster, more efficient dreadnought, basically. You know, a little... Mm-hmm. And my opponent, um, Mark Follows, played House Raven. The fact that when they make a normal move or if they advance, they ignore um, movement penalties is huge. They ignore most movement penalties. It, it's a very specific thing, but the amount of movement and the extra wound on all the Mechanicum Knights and the fact that they actually heal huh. is also a big deal. Yeah, it's only like maybe one wound a turn, but that's still one more wound that you have to chew through a minimum right. of a T7 body. Yeah, so I was looking at the. It's interesting because I forgot who we ta- I was talking about with, with this, but the idea that. Armature is T7, uh, 12 wounds, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's base 12 because with um, House Raven, I think, or it might just be a Quester Mechanicus buff where they get an extra wound, so they go up to 13. Means I actually have to roll pretty high damage with um, D3 plus 3 damage to actually nuke an Armature. Reason why I bring it up is uh, sounds an awful lot like the same profile for a um, hive tyrant. Yeah, it's it's pretty close to a hive tyrant. So, in chaos knights, in one of the houses, 
I believe it's an Iconoclast house. So the melee-based ones. If you take it, your armored, your war dogs, armored your equivalents, go up to 14 Dude. wounds. Okay. And your titanic models go up by 4, so you can have a 32 wound tyrant. Huh. Well, that sounds a little revolting. Um, is that a pun about my Nurgle tyrant that I'm making, Eric? <laughs> I ah, sneeze bastard. in your general direction. Sanitize. Anyway. <laughs> yes, um, knights do have a lot of actual play. The They still suffer generally if you bring a lot of big stompies. You don't benefit from a lot of the terrain being able to hide and stuff. So that's why overall armagers and some big knights will be better. But overall, it's still a, a game of how can you use the terrain to your advantage or how fast right. can you kill things? I was just thinking if you had that option. So it sounds like you do have options, which sounds pretty cool. Yeah, my war dogs also like we got the same obsec rules and everything as Imperial Knights for Chaos Knights. So all of our armor, all of our war dogs are five bodies of obsec. We can actually make our um, big knights one of them obsec. So just ten wounds standing Ooh. An objective. Ooh, I don't know if I like that. It's interesting though that they got this arbitrary ten. I think and it's five for the other one, whereas. McGrath is gone now, but Crusher Stampede had the uh, number of wounds remaining. Here's why they didn't stick with that. So, I think it's because of the fact that with the fact um, a lot of the Tyranids, which I also had a game with against today, um, that game was rough. Um, although my opponent, we both forgot about the Leviathan buff of, guess what? Oh, We're God. transhuman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still did not kill that Flying Hive Tyrant. Um, and blowing up harpies was inconsequential, but it it would have mattered. I would have instead of being able to play into turn four, I probably would have effectively right. been table on turn three, be, because he would have had a had lot the of opposite bodies. problem. I forgot that my uh, all my coven units were trans or mini transhuman. Also, was like, oh, that would have been important. <laughs> but on the on the obsec bit of it, I think it's um. I think it's more of the fact that a lot of the Tyranid stuff was was going to like odd numbers of wounds. So like you have some that are 13, you have some that are 15, like they're not flat, even numbers. So I think that might've been the reason why they didn't keep the X number of bodies as obsessing. Because part of me is kind of like, once you get to a certain size, it's like, okay, uh, how am I going to stop the idea of stopping 15 T8, basically T8 uh, to up save obsec units, it's pretty hard to shift that. So it's almost like a auto win for that objective. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. But as far as I can tell, knights are going to have quite the play with people who know what they're doing. There will be some kind of feel bad moments where nice players just table people in two turns because they can just accidentally see everything or a feel bad for the nice players because they can't hide and they don't get to do it. When you mentioned that we we're talking about that with another uh, guy who was asking for some uh, list advice in on our group and we we're going back and forth and it, about uh, Skyweavers uh, in Harlequins 
with haywire guns or would they take shuriken? And it's one of those, the haywire is so specialized towards vehicles. It's almost like, well, there's a lot more high tyrants out there. There's a lot more of this. You really don't need that. But then on the other hand, you're like, that one time you run into knights, <laughs> you're going to be asking yourself, why didn't I take them? You know, the, I could wound these guys on fours for crying out loud. So it was interesting, you know, what, what is the right move right now? You know, how often are we really going to run into knights in the meta? And uh, so we'll have to see as the, the books continues to kind of grow. Cause it's not, there's a lot of people with knights from previous editions. So it's not like there's going to be that big of a hobby lag in terms of getting models on the table. Yeah, unless you're like me, <laughs> and you're starting True, from scratch. But um, you know, there's like I said, it's a lot like there's a lot of people who did play them. So, and then even you getting into it, like you said, you uh-huh. pretty much collected a, an army relatively quick. So, Shh, I don't want to talk about my imaginary they're not problems. Imaginary, dude, they're on your credit card. <laughs> no, no, they don't <laughs> exist. Everything's okay. Oh my goodness. But either way, it'll be nice to see knights coming around because Imperial Knights are very much a higher strategy because of their honor system. Because as they gain honor points for doing things, that's what dictates exactly how much gas they can go into. Whereas Chaos Knights, if you take any of the favors of any of the dark gods, it only matters about how many wounds you do. That's why they're more inclined to kill things rather than play the mission. Cause as soon as you kill enough things, your favor just becomes active for forever. Interesting. Yeah. I definitely, you know, I'm obviously long time chaos player. So I'm tend to favor the chaos knights anyway, but I was just looking at, I'm like, Oh, I guess where I was stuck with was I didn't want to play a chaos knight army i just wanted to splash it into my chaos space marines and i think i found a way to do that because i really like the it's not the okana class it's the the other the infernal household is that the demon ones yeah the infer yeah, yeah the infernal are the demon ones yeah those are really cool so the, the idea yeah. of doing something closer to them would be a lot more fun so I think there was a way. There's like one of those special. I, I find the book very confusing, to be honest with you. But there was something I read where, like, if you take this as a uh, dreadblade, you do get the um, infernal abilities. You know, the whole take a mortal wound, but you get a you get the roll on the basically a night combat drug chart. I was like, I like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's in the build your own chapter build your own household kind of thing where when you take a fell bond instead of taking an actual household, you only get one choice. You don't get two. So there is one for there is usually in this book. I remember seeing it somewhere. There is one that lets you take the actual, ah, yes, the bio, the biomechanical yes. fusion, where if you take that fell bond, you get to take the um, the D, the demonic surge, which is the D three table, and you also have a four up feel no pain for specifically those you know, mortal I wounds. I didn't know that. So now I'm more intrigued at this point. Are you serious? Yep, I am absolutely serious. And also, there's obviously the 
oh, I'm taking a custom household, but they're actually this choice of whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're the old, uh, I am my own special snowflake. Tell me about your snowflake. We're kind of like ultramarines. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, the trade-off there is if you take that fell bond, you do not, you do not get access to the actual stratagem of each house. Well, it's it's a really oh. specific wording because you don't get their household bond, you don't get their world retreat, you don't get their relic. Um, you do actually reading it, you do get access to their stratagem because it only looks for the keyword. But otherwise, you don't get any of the other benefits of taking that household. Hmm. Don't know if that's a worthy trade off or not. Hmm. No, no, it is not because you only get to pick one. You don't get to pick two. <laughs> So, yeah, hmm. but I can ramble on about Chaos Knights all day, Eric. I think we have other events that we get to talk we do. about. That aren't and uh, before we get to the events, though, there's one other little topic, and as we're talking about, so our league starts uh, on the twentieth, so this coming Friday. So if you're listening to this, we may actually be um, just starting our league. And um, interesting enough, the new uh, nef- the nihilism. Um, it is Nephilim. Okay. Nephilim. My spell check switched it around. I was like, well, what was the right one? I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> and um, new uh, our, uh, mission books coming out, new season. So first question I got is, uh, new season, should we stop awards and do season awards? Or should the ITC continue with their we crown the champ at uh, LVL? Um, <laughs> well... That one, I don't know actually how to answer because doing stuff at the end of the year means you have the entire year to work up for a really big score and it's a humongous crowning achievement, which is how it was, how it's always been. But doing it season by season does make it so that way, if you're only able to play in one season, but not another, you can still get awards for that. So it's a, it's a okay. trade-off thing, I think. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate on that one. So you, you spent all season clawing away. Or you could be like the guy who played six events and then takes the rest of the year off knowing that their faction just got nerfed into the ground from a data slate or a new... Or, or, actually, we'll just take um, our former co-host, you know, Jim Vessel. He was in cruise control. And then his army list coming into that LVO was, you know, there are enough changes in the meta where it was not competitive and you had to come up with a whole new list. So is that something, you know, should he have it have been awarded earlier in the season and start over? I don't know. And then uh, the other thing I will go with is, well, under Nahmund, you were undefeated and had five GT wins. Which I don't think we have anybody like that. Now I don't think about the standings currently, but uh, now under Nephilim, eh, you barely won a RTT, but somehow you got enough points to carry you through the season. So we're still going to give you the championship. Yeah, it's when I think about how well Jim was playing with his real, real tactical chaos list. He showed enough skill piloting that. Um, that he could conceivably play into all of the changes 
with a different list and hopefully he had enough skill level to work his way against them, which is really hard to do, but it's also a huge sign of player skill and player adaptability, which I mean, some people adapt by, Oh, the next book is more broken than this one. Okay. They go and buy that entire army and right. they play that for a while until the next book. And book it's funny. A lot out. of people look down on people like that. And I'm like, do you realize how hard it is to keep switching armies and understanding how to make that work on a flip of a switch? It's not uh-huh. easy. So yeah. Like I, I always applaud Manny Chima for he can play Warhammer roulette and play whatever army that he can get his hands on and goes, by the way, I'm just going to win this event or table my opponent or do something. (laughs) So, but there is also something to be said about a person that sticks with a faction for the entirety of a season through the ups and downs and whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a coin. And, um, so yeah, I'm not sure what is, if there's a right answer. I don't think there should be a right answer. I think all of them are very exciting to talk about, but, um, yeah, in terms of, you know, should be who is the Nachman winner and who is the uh, Nephilim winner, or do we just do a ITC seasonal champ? I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I think if we had this conversation five years ago, well, there's not enough events. You LVO is clearly the end of the season. Now we have to seem to have quite a few um, big events. We could perhaps start looking at a, another season ending event uh not sure you know how, how to make all that work but um yeah like a mid-season right. award or something so, like that um, we still don't have an official date yet for when nephilim is coming out but obviously the the rules came out shortly i'm trying to remember when exactly it was right around lvo because i remember they announced it i think they were on pre-order of the weekend of lvo so roughly February is when the new missions were starting to be played, so that means August 1st is when we start with the Nephilim missions, is what I'm guessing? Most likely, yeah. And with the change to command point stuff, it will prob- that will probably end up shaking the, the competitive scene a lot, because right now, most armies that take all the front-loaded buffs, like knights, like ultramarines, like Admech, sometimes custodes if you go complete, completely crazy with relics and so stuff. So funny you mentioned a perfect segue because that's exactly what's been keeping me up since the last episode is because I'm also one of those guys who builds armies with a lot of front loaded CP. And I, I hear the description from the Warcom article that says, this is our way of curbing alpha strikes. And I'm going... I did not. <laughs> I used close to six to eight CP before the game started. None of it had to do with Alpha Strike. So, ow! This is not only are you curbing something I don't do, but it's going to cost me dearly. So I'm trying to find all new ways to be, you know, how do I retain as many CP? Assuming that a Strike Force mission at two thousand points, you will start with six CP. Yeah, like for. Chaos Knights, for instance, when I look at the list that I want to do, they have, there are ways built into the book that I could conceivably regain three command points every turn. Okay. Because there's the Battleforge bonus, there's the, there's a Mark of Zinch 
that every time my opponent spends a command point, I can regain one. That one is locked to the regaining once per turn. But then we have the Tyrant Banner. The Tyrant Banner is a relic that specifically says command points that are refunded off of this relic are not capped by any refunds. And it's at the start of each of my command phases. And it's on a 5+. plus. So I have to roll to see if I get an extra command point or not. But it's still extra on top. So yeah, you could you could so basically you could earn three a turn. Wow, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like three around because of the fact that the the Zinch Mark one is again, I can only regain one every turn from that. And it's for the entire bow round. So yeah. It's not like the days of um, the oh, Loyal yeah. 32, <laughs> where you somehow end with 28 CP and you started with 12. It still spent 16 as the game went on. Yeah, it was pretty insane. I hated that list. Oh, I hated that so much. Um, But until we start seeing more from the Nephilim book, I'm going to keep my okay. opinions reserved. So I went on the opposite end and I looked at, okay, so normally so before the Eldara Codex, when I played my army, I was usually doing the either I first was doing the Triple Patrol because I get that for free in my Drakari Codex. Then I went, eh, I really like the Real Space Raider Battalion and the idea is that the Archon gives the re-rolling ones to hit across all core units. The the, the detachment is supposed to just the Cabalites. So I'm like, alright, this seems to be working for me. And I've been pretty much running that exclusively up until the Eldari Codex came out. And so now I've got this two shiny new toys. One is the Webway Gate, and the other is a traveling uh, Troubadours, whatever they're called, the, uh, the Harlequin detachment that you can add without breaking any of your Trakari bonuses. So I'm like, okay. But now, every time you add a fort, now if you add a fortification, yes, it's free as long as it's the same uh, obsession as your. Uh, warlord but uh you're always having that extra patrol so right off the bat you you're losing two command points for bringing harlequins to the party well when you're losing you know two from your total 12 that was an acceptable loss going from six to four all of a sudden it's like oh crap and the where where most my cp go to and you've seen this in action is i put a ton of stuff in strategic reserve now the good news is is the webway gate cuts that cost in half, but it, if the CP is already cut in half, it's almost like a, a push at this point. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be for armies that do a lot of strategic reserves and other stuff because I know like Gene Steeler Colt can also get really heavy on CP really yeah, fast. That's a good one. Yeah, forgot about them. But um, otherwise, again, it is very much a my opinions are going to be reserved because I'm not going to be super swingy about this until I know exactly how good or bad it is going to be for all of my armies, including stuff I don't really put on the table right. anymore, like my Necrons. Because my Necrons, I just... Now I can say I've, I've built two lists, three lists now that I'm going to probably just play test, see if they're interesting. And what makes them interesting, they're still real space raids, but they're battalion, uh, brigades, excuse me. 
And so at first I was like, oh, all right. Can I really fill out three of every deployment slot? And being the Drukari and now with all the, uh, also with the Nari, if you play it from the Eldari, how many things can I end with the word I? Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. So all there's a lot of MSU you can do, but I'm always afraid that how much fat that I put into the list to unlock all this stuff. But um, so the cool thing is, yeah, I can put what used to be my entire army into one uh, detachment and still have room for a web gate, which I'm like, cool. I have now spent no CP on army building other than uh, additional warlord bonuses because a brigade has an additional um, HQ slot. I can actually fit an Archon, a Succubus, a Homunculus, and Drazar in the same detachment, which is pretty cool. Uh, the only thing I do find uh, difficulty is is uh, the heavy support slots. They're not that competitive right now. So all of a sudden I found myself in need to construct... Uh, I have three Chronos in the list. I think oh, I have like two built. So I have to build another Chronos to see if this army list works. But I'm seeing some utility from them with the uh, reroll once to wound and... Um, an old strategy from earlier this season, the old pain siphon. So that might, mm-hmm. it might work. I don't know. So I'm still kind of kicking this idea around and see if it'll work. But the idea of running a, like uh, some of the lists we talked about in the last two weeks, a Vanguard, a outrider, a spearhead. Yeah. You're losing three CP with no refund, regardless of your warlord. That's seems that could be pretty detrimental for a lot of armies. Yeah. Like custodes. Um, sure. We can regain two every round, but it's still only two. And with how, with the way we have to use command points nowadays, we're still going to be really tight on command points, even though most of our stuff does only cost one or two, but we have to use them more often now because everything is getting, higher strength, more damage, more threatening to three wound T5 models, and also enough AP to make everyone cry. (laughs) So it's it's definitely a we are going to run through our command points faster than we can use them. Now, if by some odd thing that if you play Nephilim missions, they do not restrict the amount of command points that you can refund that will make things even spicier because people will then be okay with spending more at the start because they have more chances to regain them during the game. Hypothetically, yeah. They did say in the same preview is that you would be earning more CP as the game progresses. So the logical would be that you get two per command phase. I think it's probably more realistic that there'll be one for sure then maybe and if you beat this like battlefield condition like your warlords on the table you make it the second we saw some of those in the last mission book that's why i'm like i think they're going to go back to that well a few more times probably but either way i will be very excited to play those new missions and see how they change them because i i will honestly admit i do like having a extra bit of, of bookkeeping based on the mission like the mission right. bonus primary because of the fact that it actually makes you think on how you want to do stuff like in my game 
tonight against loyalist knights, I actually had to decide on whether or not I wanted to get stranglehold on the first turn, or if I wanted to have my bike captain, you know, try to help kill an armager, which he didn't. He rolled two ones. Um, but otherwise the extra bookkeeping of the mission, the mission we were, we were playing conversion. I could only get two points on the mission primary. It's not like I could just sit there and go, Oh, I got four this turn, then two and then four again. It's no, I get two or I get six. If I was owning my opponents or, you know, you subtract me a point because I took, Right. You took away my home objective. Oops. Yeah, I think you hit on the hint too. Is uh, maybe need to be more patient and look what the secondaries are because that's one thing. As I've been building my list, they lean heavy into the secondaries, and um, I don't know if those secondaries will be still there. So we'll have to see when that comes out. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, yeah, giving some thought as the you know we may be looking at these relatively soon. Hopefully, we'll get some new details. Uh, in the near future. So, uh, but right now, yeah, <laughs> toying with an upper gate. I don't think I'd ever do that, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never hear brigade right. anymore it's in anything. Like brigade. What the hell? It's crazy, but it works. You can. There's <laughs> a ton of units in there. So. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Anyway, we're talking about a ton of units. We had a ton of events this uh, past weekend. Uh, Seven events throughout the world. Uh, we're going to go around the world, including Spain, England, Iceland, good old Reykjavik, and uh, as well as this really far away place called California. So we will start, though, in Malaga, Spain for the GT Shark Games GT. Yep. So, of course, new guy <laughs> reads all the funny names. Um, you can do this if you want. I do my so, best. Puss in Boots impersonation. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I, I got this one. So I think because of the number of events, right. we're only going to do the top five. Um, we have in fifth place, Efren Jamardo with um, Adeptus Sororitas. We have in fourth place, Paco Malero with Eldari. In third place, we have Elias with Asuriani. Second place, we have Kadama Level Tropico with Blood Angels. And then in first place, we have Francisco J. Dominiquez Granado in the <laughs> That's extremely well done. Like you're thinking the guy in third place, El Jas, that's got to be like a nickname that we just don't understand. <laughs> it's just, I am El Jas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it could, like, at that point, it would probably be also fitting Thanks, for him to be called <laughs> We have no idea, but it's pretty funny. But very interesting uh, spread. You got three uh, elves, right? Uh, excuse me, two elves at the top five. Uh, sisters, so some armor of content. Blood angels in the second, and then town first. I mean, town first is not mm-hmm. surprising, but blood angels. Holy cow! Yep, and Katama's. 
first loss is was again because he lost round one. He got thrown into Tyranids. Well, no, um, in Forces of the High Mind because it is a Tyranid. No, never mind. I am completely wrong. That is a pure Gene Sealer cult list. Interesting. Yeah, I was like Tyranids. Oh wait, no, hyphen Gene Sealer cult. Wait, what? So, um. He lost to a Magus, a Primus, well, Magus, a Patriarch, some crazy unit of Acolyte hybrids with four heavy rock cutters in it, uh, another crazy unit of Acolyte hybrids with four heavy rock drills. Okay. These are 10 man units, by the way. <laughs> um, I can actually count. Then another unit of hybrids um, with blasting charges, demo charges. They all have blasting charges, it's whatever. Um, another unit of hybrids with some more demo charges some hybrids, and then more hybrids, five aberrants, a nexos, 10, 20, 30 gene stealers, uh, and then one, two, three units of jackals, a rock grinder, and two regular goliath trucks. Crazy. That was what he lost to, but I mean, otherwise, the rest of his entire event, he was just on fire, 97, 87, 91, 100. Given everything he's got going on there, that's there's a lot. It was a really cool list, and um, we've heard of some early chirping that Blood Angels would do really well with the new armor content roll. Would be a huge bonus for them, and uh, we'll see a trend as we move on to some of the other events. Hmm. I would only be curious how many Sanguinary Guard he had in his list, which I can yep. look as you so while you're move looking on to the up, next. I'll event. go ahead to Marriott, England, oh. to cover. No segregated. Never mind. Guard? No, he didn't uh, even submit bastard. a list. <laughs> we shake our fist at you. Anyway, confrontation redemption. So, uh, fifth place. Uh, Alan Parmenter with Blood Angels. Joshua Collard with Orcs. Luke Hurley with Suriani. Baz Crusher with uh, Duchess Custodes. And in first place, Martin Cooper with Jukari. So, interesting. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, Adam's list. So he's talking about Blood Angels coming in fifth. Starts with uh, Captain on Bike, Primaris Chaplain, Sanguinary Priest, Cursor Squads of five. He's got two of those, plus a five man squad of Infiltrators. Then he's got Death Company Marines. He's got a unit of five with four Thunder Hammers, a Sanguinary Ancient with Wrath of Ball, and then two large units, excuse me, three. Three large units of Sanguinary Guard. When I say large, how we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six. Three units of six. So he's got 18 Sanguinary Guard on the table. Oh, wait. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Vanguard vets, all with lightning claws to go with that. I mean, when you get plus one to wound and you can re roll them things. And also, I think the um, lightning claws. I think they got rule. I think they might have been corrected or changed. So now each of those Vanguard veterans gets two extra oh, attacks. <laughs> so that's if it's Vanguard vet, I believe it's base two, one for if they charge, one for each of the lightning claws. So that's five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 51 attacks. With what unit? <laughs> I mean,. Yeah, I'm just odd. looking at the threat <laughs> overlord. You overload. You're just like, do I kill the thunderhammers? Do I kill the sanguinary guard? Do I kill the other sanguinary guard? 
He's got another sanguinary guard behind that first sanguinary guard. And then, oh, yeah, there's the lightning claws. Uh, oh, chaplain on bike? Yeah, I could care less at this point. <laughs> so, going back over the count, he has a total of 20 sanguinary guard. Because he has two uh, units of seven. Oh, my God. But either way, that's, that's a lot, lot of angels. angels. The other one, uh, Martin came in first with Drukari. And I wanted to put this highlight. That's because of Drukari, because I am a Drukari fanboy. I want to, but uh, I think this is sort of the list of the future. I've been looking at a lot of Drukari um, competitive chats. And so one of the things you see right off the bat, it is a real space battalion. So you're keeping everybody together, one group, one detachment. So Cult of Strife doesn't really... Um, to get those fancy stratagems, you have to be in a separate detachment. So in case this, uh, he decided to skew that, and he got the Cult of the Cursed Blade, which gives the plus one strength, and the uh, every time you make an armor save of six in close combat, it causes a mortal wound on your opponent, which is kind of fun. Uh, Cabal of the Black Art, the other big change you don't see all too often is Coven of the Twelve. And that's, I believe, the one that has the extra AP uh, bonuses. So other than that, it's pretty standard stuff. Archon, Homunculus, Succubus, uh, two units of Cabalite Warriors, all with uh, the Blasters, and then three units of Racks, and then one unit of Witches, uh, Bare Bones, three units of three Grotesques, uh, one unit of Mandrakes to do some Action Monkey stuff, two Ravagers, all with Dark Lances, and two Raiders, also with Dark Lances. But wait, this is where the other big change comes in. We have not forgotten our Harlequin friends, but we've changed it up. Uh, they're now doing dark, so uh, looking for that thigh meat. This is what you've got here now. And you've got a Shadow Seer with one, two, three units of five troops with a variety of Kiss, Caress, and Blades. And then a Death Jester and only two Void Weavers still with a Prismatic Cannon. So not quite the firepower and you yep. can't shoot me anymore instead it's in your face and everything's ap3 two damage yep so and i you accidentally said one too many units of grotesques because oh, you only what i meant to say but either way like this list is very much a if i was to play into this with any of my armies i honestly wouldn't know what to go after outside of <clears throat> can i see a clown I'm going to kill a clown. You know when you see but clowns, you need to do? Target the juggler. Yep. <laughs> it's it's very much a... the Like, targeting the Harlequins bit is obviously the play that he probably wanted to happen because of the fact that they have a four-up invuln and they can live through a surprising amount of stuff, whereas the rest of his army gets to go and do other things and maybe yeah. help. I have to look at that. That's where I'm like trying to figure out, does he have enough staying power? Probably does, because he's got enough threat going up forward with the Harlequin unit to um, just build a big enough lead on primary. So even if you just start picking up all those T3 bodies, it's, it's too late. You know, I already maxed out primary on turn three. So, mm-hmm. so we stay in Merriold, England. This time we're going to Priority Orders, Mayday. Um, top five. Yep. So we have Aiden Brocklehurst with, again, Adeptus Sororitas. So they are starting to make a comeback somewhere. Um, We have Craig Douglas with Tau Empire. We have Oliver Wheeler with Adeptus Custodes. We have Sam Nash also with Adeptus Custodes. 
but rounding off everything, we couldn't stop them. Steven Roberts. With so I was happy Kieran. you read this one because yeah, two custodes in the top five. Interesting that they're they're back up there. Do you see any big changes in how they're running their lists? Well, overall, I've been poking around. It is you either see a whole bunch of bikes still because having a whole bunch of D three plus three damage against Tyranids is super helpful, or you see something similar to this where you bring a whole lot of bodies. Because this is a bike captain, Trajan, two units of custodian guard, a single unit of prosecutors, three units of Sagittarium, and then four dreadnoughts and a bannerman. So you walk them up the table with um, Sam Nash's list. And Oliver is playing as Shadow Keepers. So he has the the Voidsman at Arms, which is kind of like an agent of the Imperium tax unit. Because they're only 40 points. You have a, you still have the bike captain. You have Trajan. Two units of prosecutors. Three units of Sagittarium. A regular ven- venerable contemptor dreadnought. Ah, because that has a multi-melta. Um, two units of bikes. All one. The sergeant has a hurricane bolter. And then the other two have missiles. And then two clayuses. So it's very different. Because, let's see, what was Sam playing? I think he was playing Emperor's Chosen. Nope. So, that's two lists back-to-back that both have Shadow Keepers. And Shadow Keepers innately do not let you reroll hit rolls against them. They also have... It's either they don't get to reroll hit rolls, or they have minus one attack. But also they have access to the minus one strength strat for all defensive purposes. So... It is the days of Emperor's Chosen is becoming smaller and smaller, mainly because of the fact that the sheer amount of mortal wounds that exist can force through that save. And there might be, I don't know if this meta in that part of England was mortal wound heavy or not. So, or at that point, they were a little more cagey with their play. Because also a lot of people are going to the Emissaries Imperatos, which one of their traces they always fight first. Huh. Also curious if they were doing the uh, ETC style terrain, in which case that would have had some play as well. Maybe. And ah, yeah, the the Shadow Keeper's bonus traits for the Shield Host are minus one attack, so your troop of five doesn't get 25 attacks. They get like uh, 20 or whatever, like some smaller number. And also you cannot, when you're attacking characters, you get to reroll wounds against characters. Oh. Get my characters alive, please. <laughs> But otherwise, the, I know Shadow Keepers have play. I just haven't, with because of our meta, with, with the amount okay. of mortal wounds that exists. Um, I like my Emperor's Sojin shape. Understand that. <laughs> I know we're running a little bit long with a couple, but I just want to bring this to attention. So the Tyranid army that won is not what you think it is. So right off the bat, it's High Fleet Behemoth. Yeah, right off the bat. So a Neurothrope, a Winged Hive Tyrant, three units of three Tyranid Warriors, a Malice Scepter, of course, a Zoanthrope, 
right? Just the one zoanthrope, just the one zoanthrope. One unit of one, two, three, four, five, six raveners. An exocrine, three screamer killers with adrenal glands, a tyrant effects, and a harpy. Okay, so I can say firsthand, raveners are disgusting. They are like super fast, if I remember right now, with the new codex. They are they are twelve inch movement warriors. Um, they get up to strength six um, with the rending claws, and a unit of four of them gets twenty attacks. Hey, it's got six of them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he and it looks the exocrine. I like it. It's toughness eight, two up save. And then he had screamer killers, which are carnifexes. Yay, distraction yep. carnifexes. <laughs> The trip out there, the shoot, they're the shootier ones, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah, screamer killers yeah. are more shooty. Thornback's the one I don't know anything about. I'm like, I don't know what they do. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the harpy with two heavy venom cannons. I know the game I played today. Um, they had, sh- they played stranglethorn cannons, which those things are gross. Because those are each D3 plus three shots. I think I'll have to look at the book again and also check the FAQ to see what was up because, oh boy, shooty harpies. Those things are rough. But either way, congrats to Steven, though. We may not have stopped your bugs today, but maybe we'll stop you tomorrow. So from England, we're going to hop a little bit north to the North Sea to Reykjavik, Iceland. And uh, this top five reads like the uh, Castle Vikings. It's pretty cool. Uh, In fifth place, we have Svenor Pickerson with white scars. Edelstein Svigosin with gray knights. Heobar von Stefansen with Adeptus Custodes, Jokul Johansson with Tau Empire, and uh, the guy that really drives home the theme of these names, Michael Hooper, in first place with Tau Empire. (laughs) (laughs) So, to pull up, um, I want to try and get his name right, gosh darn it. Heobar von Stefansen. I totally butchered that. Mr. Custodes, man, he is playing Solar Watch. Those are the plus one to advantage charge, and we can fall back and charge, guys. He has 9, 18, 27 Custodian Guard, uh, a single Alorus Terminator, a, a Banner Man with the minus one to hit banner, and then two units of Venatari, the Jump Pack Custodes. With um, lances, so giving up the pistol for a pistol and buckler for a actual longer range gun. Interesting. Seems like a very unusual list compared to what we've seen. Last two custodes, you just seemed almost cookie cutter what was there before. This kind of was one guy switched up his uh, shield host. This seems completely yeah. off the wall. Yeah, that. That is a potential meta change for custodes is we just put so many wounds on the table that you can't chew through them unless you're something like Tyranids because of the fact that if we walk around with minus one to hit me while you're shooting into two up armor saves at minus one to hit, you get into combat uh, combat with us, we can make you minus one to hit again. And the fun bit is, is that as soon as you get the unit from nine to four dudes 
we can give them all two extra attacks. Ooh. Otherwise, as soon as you kill one, we can give them all, attack, right? all of them an extra attack. So it's basically it's a it's a drastic change. So it's horde custodes, if that could ever exist. And it's just a you are not going to chew through me fast enough before I just walk forward and slap you. That's a scary thought. And the more you chew through, the more damage it does. Yeah, that's a little frightening. Uh, kind of. Like, we can still have bad rolls <laughs> and just kind of, like, fall off the table. Don't do that, especially with metal bottles. But then I think after, unless there's anything else you want to t- touch in Iceland because of the fact that I don't know if we'll ever see I those I would love people. to meet them someday. If you're listening to the show, we'd love to have you on. But in the meantime, we're going to go to a sunnier climate of Sacramento, California. Yep, we're going to land in Hammerhead Games, their GT for the month of May. And the top five are Mark Wynn with Osir Yanni. Fourth place is Kevin Rubitsky with Grey Knights. Third place is Ricky Lane with Tyranids. Second place is Randy Saucier with Thousand Sons. And first place is Zachary Bailey with Adeptus Custodes. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, huh. That's a quinky ding. (laughs) I like that. One list I just wanted to point out real quick is um, this gentleman's name here, Randy Saucier, who came in second with Thousand Sons, is exactly what you think. It is uh, Cult of Duplicity, featuring an Exalted Sorcerer, an Infernal Master, three unit, excuse me, one unit of ten Rubik Marines, two units of five, and then three units of ten Scarabot Skull Terminators. <laughs> that just... <laughs> Ow. I mean, just that, not only will this army fit in your overhead compartment on a plane, this thing is just... <laughs> I think you might... Re- you might remove like three that, models a game. <laughs> um, that's the equivalent of like shooting into dark angels. <laughs> like, it's just like a whole bunch of this man is a sadist. I appreciate this. I'm just like, because <laughs> he's taking full advantage of armor of contempt. He really is, and there's I nothing mean, wrong with that. Not? So I'm looking at that going like, yeah, I, I. Slow golf clap on that one. That's very nice. <laughs> the The reason why I was kind of like, ooh, interesting about the custodes list from Haley um, with Zachary Bailey. I don't know why I said Haley. Anyway, um, it's actually close to something I'm currently trying. Um, main difference is he brought our Blade Champion, a.k.a. Blade Wizard, who was the oh, we're going to go into combat and duel everyone because we can. Um, he brought a shield captain on foot. Well, a Terminator. No, that is a shield captain with sword and board. So yeah, that is a one-up armor save shield captain. And then a unit of five custodians, a unit of three custodians, and then six Sagittarium in total, and then two Achilles Dreadnoughts of Axilla in Terminator armor. And then five bikes, all with um, salvo launchers. So he still has the dedicated, oh, we look at a night and we melt it unit. (laughs) So that's a very refreshing list for custodes, but it's definitely showing that we can't get out unscathed because his first two rounds were underneath 80 points. 
and he barely squeaked by getting a 91, a 96, and an 87. All righty. We're going to stay in California, head up just south to Pasadena for the game. I want you Pasadena battle for something or other. They got a fancy name for it. Battle for LA. I know this is that time of year already. Look at that. And your top five looks something like this. In fifth place, you have uh, Eddie Gosshorn with Soriani. Um, Michelle for. Forgione with Salamanders. Junior Flay, he's back, and he's back with his Blood Angels. Uh, Logan Heath, uh, once again, staking a claim that last year was no fluke. I can play this game. Watau Empire. And in first place, uh, Anthony Gobiel. I hope I pronounced that right, Anthony. Watau Empire. So, some familiar names in the top mm-hmm. five, some familiar factions, but uh, interesting to see. First time we're probably seeing Salamanders live up to the hype that they can actually be unstoppable. Yeah, not being able to re-roll wound rolls against them sucks. But my my shout-outs for my my lists of the week actually come from this event. Um, I actually need to pull up that event again because I accidentally closed that window. I'm a professional (laughs) podcaster, everybody. Um, The actually, I think I can remember them. Because I think it was the ninth place person. He was playing actual oh, Yanari. Hold that up for you. Team assist here going on. Uh, Eddie. Hold on. I got a Harlequin. Okay. Here we go. I oh, got it. I can oh, there find he is. him. It is Casey Bonite. So Casey Bonite was running a five man well a five warlock seer council oh no a single seer council with however that works it looks like it's just one warlock um a far seer sky runner a shadow seer and the incarn teleporting little mare um a brick of 20 guardian defenders with two bright lances in there uh a unit five rangers a 10-man troop squad. Um, one unit of five, six Dire Avengers. One unit of 10 Dire Avengers. A unit of six Wraith Blades. A unit of two Wraith Lord. A Wraith Lord. I can read. Um, a unit of three Shining Spears and a single Falcon. I'm trying to figure what he's putting in the Falcon. Because the Falcon, I think, will hold 10. So that's um, probably the um, I don't know, maybe one of the Dire Venture squads. Or, well, because of the fact that Yanari takes place of your entire replaces your craft world and your Sadith keywords, yep. I think, or something like that. So at that point, um, that's a Yanari Falcon with a Yanari troop squad. I have to double check the codex. I think there's some rule that the, you still can't go on. You can't share each other's transports. So. Unless you're your Vrain or ah. um, the Vizark. With that being said, I mean you can still put also look at the Wraith Blades. So unit of five, they only they count double. Mm-hmm. So you could put is it the, uh six. Well six, that's a that's a unit of six. So I'm assuming it's the one of the Dire yeah. squads is going in, in that. Which is still really cool because uh, so I'm looking at what he's got here. Uh making Shoot and still complete actions, which is with the XR in there. Mm-hmm. 
And the Shining Spear unit is just ugh, and then so annoying. The the other thing that I want to point out from this event, they only showed up for three rounds, but they probably have the most colorful list in the entire event, and their name is Charlotte Fraser. They were playing Harlequins. Every single one of their units is named something <laughs> different. So, like, we have the Ink Princess, the Aether Priestess, the Keeper of the Roses, Ballad of Kegra. It's literally like, how do you keep this straight? Which are all painted <laughs> properly. Probably. But they brought five Star Weavers. Oh, no. and, and then some Sky... Like, I, it was just a really colorful list. <laughs> Thank you, Charlotte, for making everyone have a headache of trying to remember that they're playing against the Light Harlequins. Absolutely insane. Oh, well. There once was a time when you actually would get bonus points for doing that. So, And then I think we hop on over from California to Montreal, Indeed. Quebec. Indeed. Because <laughs> I wish I was French. Um, to Le Grand Clash and the top five very much looks something like um, Jeremy Atkinson. Exactly. Come on, man. Where's the funny French name? Do it. Um, with Dark Angels. Then we have Sebastian Geoffrin. I totally butchered that last name, but that's perfectly fine because he's playing Tyrannus. He would eat it anyway. Um, we have Stephen Gajnir. Again, <laughs> butchered the last name because probably. Um, Adeptus Custodes. We have Will Paul. With Tyranids, and then Francois Lalonde with Eldari. And I don't know why I clo- I've lost this event on my thingy, because there's a list I want to talk about. <laughs> well, going over the Eldari list, that one from Francois, it is um, very much the same thing that um, Nick Not. It's kind of close to the same thing that Nick Notavani was running at the Dallas Open where it's a custom craft world of Hail of Doom and Masterful Shots, which is essentially you bring as many shuriken weapons as you can shove in the list, and you just throw them at things. Because it's Baharoth, a Farseer on foot, one unit of ten Dire Avengers, Howling Banshees, a unit of nine uh, Swooping Hawks. hate those things. Uh, two, two singular things of Vipers, a unit of nine Wind Riders, and then two units of three wind riders. And then he brings an additional patrol with a pair, a seer counselor of two warlock skyrunners, a single farseer skyrunner, well, two farseer skyrunners, different powers and whatnot, um, a unit of rangers, and two more units of 10 dire avengers, and then nine more swooping hawks. <laughs> And three more Shoud Runners. This man must have bought so many of the old Holy bots. cow. <laughs> and he's just probably like popping off actions left and right because these things are just dropping down, yeah. dropping the grenades, walking them back off the table. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. From understanding how this list works, it's Shuriken just sure. Buckets and buckets of shurikens. You might as well be playing orcs with the amount of dice that you have to roll. And yeah, I know that does not sound like a fun list to play or play into. 
Gotta bring back the app, GW. Bring back the app. <laughs> but Eric, it's programmable to only roll sixes. I don't believe. Yeah, some people guess guess got hacked at one point, but man, that thing was so handy. There's a couple other ones that you can download. They're just not like, usable in tournaments at this point. But um, oh my god, just makes the game so much faster. But oh well. And were you able to refine no, your list I'm from this not, event, no sir, or no? <laughs> there was an event I was like, this looks really cool. I got to talk about this <laughs> on the show. And um, yeah, I don't see it now. So, oh, well. But yep, that is a whopping seven events that happened over the last weekend. Um, and there was one Chaos Night list that was that made it into, I think 11th place at one of our, at one of the events, but they were still playing with the old rules. So at that point it's a, probably they were hoping they would be allowed, but I think the event might've said no, because the thing that they took was nowhere in the chaos Nightbook at all. I was pretty interested in what it was. All I saw was it was two Helverins, two Warglaves, and then three Big Mates. That's about it. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match Whenever you're heading out for that next tournament, you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Extermination Podcast. So there is Robert's mentioned that wraps up our coverage for the week. Uh, your ITC top 10, there's actually been quite a bit of shifting going around, and it looks like a little bit of a, I'm going to refresh the page because it seems to be a bit of a, oh, looks like we're stuck with that. A um, little bit of goofiness on the webpage. We'll update it later in the week on our Facebook page. But currently in 10th place, you have Ben Jones, 1,109 points. Ryan Snyder takes a tumble from 6th uh, all the way down to ninth place. Uh, eighth place, Mike Porter also taking a bit of a tumble. Uh, seventh place, Brenton Weiss hanging on to the mid-level spot. Ennis Wilson dropping down two spots uh, to sixth place. Thomas Ogden holds on to fifth place. As mentioned, there's no fourth place player, but Matt Robertson's taking up third place twice, which I'm not really understanding how that happens, but we'll see if they can get that fixed. Second place, we would talk about this guy a lot, just a matter of time before his events finally started adding up to some serious points. And Vic the J has jumped into second place now, and he's only 20 points behind Manny Chima for the first place spot. So Vic has always been a, uh, tight, you know, it's a dominant force on the European side of circuit. So curious if he can overcome Manny Chima and uh, work there between him and Ruben. Um, League Rubio there, uh, Malik, excuse me, Malik Rubio, uh, the three of them have just been terrors from England, but Matt Robertson also still making a claim that uh, he's not ready to go anywhere soon. 
still holding on. So the American guys, like I said, Nick Tavati won an event uh, two weeks ago, but uh, still has about five more events to go before he can start making a splash in the top ten. So we'll see how well that works. Which actually brings me to an interesting question. Uh, is it better to be awesome at six events and just take your chances or do as many events as you can and just get all the kinks out? I'm very much a glutton <laughs> for punishment. And if I... To give you an idea, Eric, I came back from the Dallas Open, which was eight rounds over three days. I was willing to go play another RTT later if I had to. But that's a part of the fun of the event, though, is, is you're like, you know, you're like, I gotta, I gotta play again. I gotta get back on that horse and and uh, make the tweaks that I want to my list and try again. Mm-hmm. So, taking your chances with six events means you have to go to the biggest events of the season. You have to either do well or win them. Whereas, if you go to a lot of events, you can have like one or two bad little events and go, well, that didn't work. And figure out what you're going to do. Now, if like I could go to a monthly or bi-weekly RTT, that'd be a big ask with my work schedule. Then yeah, you better believe I'd go to every right. single RTT ever. See, part of me, I'm in the same boat. I need repetition, and I'm a big proponent of there's no such thing as replacing game speed. And there's just something about playing in a tournament atmosphere that's always going to be different than playing with your friends on a Friday night. So I can't describe mm-hmm. it. It's like that with same thing with um, I do it with my real job with real sports. You know, it's something you just can't simulate that key thing when you're on. That being said, the guys from Art of War, you know, their practice sessions. You know, when you're going against all the top players, he's like going to an RDT daily. So I guess uh, if you play into that level of caliber of players day in and day out, and uh, yeah. Maybe you don't need to practice as often. You, you can show up on uh, your GTs and majors and just nail it. So, yeah, it, it definitely is a thing of. I know, probably not for this league that's starting on Friday, but probably the league after. I will have all of my big stompy murder robots that I love oh so much, and I'll probably play those for that league. But I'll still get games in with my custodes so that way I can keep my my teeth on that and not right. lose out on it because I I think I made the decision tonight that as much as I want to play um, Chaos Knights at the Smite Club Open on September 10th and 11th, I think I'm going to bring Custodes because I want to try and go for an exclusively Custodes season outside of the one event that I had with Orcs this season at the start of it. Sounds like a good plan. Yep, September, uh, September 10th, 11th, mark it on your calendar, Spike Club Open. Tickets did go on sale this past weekend, so go ahead and start. And you can buy those directly from the Spike Club website. And you get uh, The link is all there in BCP, as well as the player packet has already been uploaded, so take a look at those particular events. It's an amazing venue. I cannot wait to check this out. It's exactly what we've been looking for. And uh, one of the key things we've, we really listen to our uh, constituents, and you hear it across the board from other players as well. Second to the games, it's hanging out with friends. And I think the last three venues we've had uh, large events here locally, the local area couldn't really accommodate 
you know, that going out, especially from out of town, you don't have to travel too far. And this place has that on site. So I'm super excited for having that ambiance as well as all the space to have, yes, 128 40K players plus other events, including Age of Sigmar, will be held at the same time. So we're super excited for this. Yep. And I actually got to play test with some new potential terrain Ooh. that might be on the tables. And it actually worked out really well. It was definitely not too big and not too clunky. It was just the right size for most armies to go, okay, I can actually work Very with cool. this. All right. Anything else to add before we wrap things up tonight? Um, aside from me keeping regular updates on the Facebook page with my Chaos Knight project and maybe eventually Eric with his additional <laughs> Webway gate. <coughs> well, I've ordered it. Has it arrived yet? So yes, I'll be posting some of that as well. So I'm <laughs> super excited. But otherwise, no, I don't have very much right, of anything well, going on here. I want to thank every one of you for listening. This has been the Starbucks Podcast. My name's Eric. And we'll talk to you guys next week. I'm Robert. <laughs>